Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. All right, we are going to be looking here at the scripture passage called the Rich Young Ruler. The Rich Young Ruler is one that we're very familiar with. It's a scripture passage that many of us have know this story. And many of you might sit here and say, Pastor, I know this story, I'm not wealthy, I'm not young, and I'm not a ruler, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, I think the real principle of what Christ wants for us is not so much to see if we're young, rich, or if we're a ruler. The principle says what is standing in the way of your personal life, your own life, preventing you from becoming a disciple, from really experiencing what it means to follow Jesus Christ. In this young man's life, it was wealth. He was not willing to give up his wealth to follow Jesus. He was willing to give up everything else except his money. And we know today money is a passport. Money opens doors. Money here in 2021, it's easier for the wealthy. Education, health care, travel, leisure... It's a universal passport. You get what you want when you have money. Except following Christ. Jesus did not fall for it. He was not impressed with what this man had. So that's the story we're going to read here in our Bibles. Today is the 77th anniversary of D-Day. 77 years ago began the... End. It's what started the end of World War II. What happened on D-Day? First of all, why is it called D-Day? D-Day is not because it's for Doomsday or Death Day, anything like that. It's called D-Day because back in World War I and World War II, the military, when they wanted to set a date for something, for espionage reasons, you wouldn't just say on June 6th, 1944. You would say on D-Day. So D-Day stands for day. So it's a variable day, but at some point we're going to do this is when this event is going to occur. So what happened on D-Day, and they also called their time, they didn't give you a time, they called it H-Hour. That meant on D-Day at H-Hour, that way you would kind of know at some point, at some time, this event will occur, but you don't really know when. And if they wanted to change it, they would call it D-Day plus two. That meant Two days, D-Day is this day, then add two more days to that. And they do the same, like H hour minus two, so this hour mi minus two, this will occur. That's, how, that, that's why we have D-Day. What happened on this day? 156,000 American, British, and Canadian soldiers landed on five beaches in Normandy, France. France was being occupied by Germany. It had been under German occupation in World War II. And the Americans came in, a large number, hundreds of thousands, ended up coming through those beaches, and that began to push back the Germans. And that began, began the end, that began us getting involved in the war and also ending World War II. Uh, 4,000 soldiers died, a great, great loss of life, life. But it also is important because we look back and it really set our country as the superpower in the world that it is today. And it made our military 
very mighty in showing that we can actually come in and even push back and, and free other countries from occupation. So we remember that day 77 years ago today. I'm just curious. Anybody here remember that day? You were alive and maybe you remember you heard on the news, on the radio. All right, Dennis, anyone else? All right. Yep, Dennis was one year old when that happened. He was 78. He remembers that. So that was uh, a powerful day. So we, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to certainly, uh, certainly re- uh, commend our military and how special this day is in, in U.S. history with that. Luke chapter 18. This is a familiar passage. A ruler came to him, verse 18, and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. So right off the bat there, this young man is coming to Jesus and he calls him good. Well, we know that word good, only God is good. So right there, he's correct in one thing when he asks Jesus that question. He calls him a good teacher. Jesus is a good teacher. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. So Jesus recognized that he picks up on that connection because he is God and he is good. Goes on to say here in our Bibles, you know the commandments. So here we're listing the latter part of the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. These are Ten Commandments. We know this stuff. This is how we teach your children. You teach your grandchildren. You live this way. These are the ways that you should live. And for many of us, I want you to understand, you might live this way, or you do live this way, and you just feel like, I grew up in church, I walked the aisle, I got baptized, I'm a good man, I love our country, I know what D-Day stands for, whatever you know. You have have a, a, a Christian heritage, which is wonderful. And Jesus is saying, we just do these and you know, let's just your things will be okay. In verse 21, the man says, Jesus, I've kept all of these from my youth. Meaning, this was a good, devout Jewish young man. He's kept the commandments. He goes to church. When those other people don't go to church, he goes to church. When Jesus heard this, so Jesus hears about how good he is, this young man. He said, you still lack one thing. One thing. Now, if Jesus came to us and says, Dan, you only lack one thing, and everything will be great. But here it is. Jesus, what he does, is he finds what we cherish and hold to and love the most in our life, and he goes after that. And for this young man, it's going to be his wealth. It's going to be money. It's going to be his possessions. For some of you, it really might not be money. For some of you, it might be you are harboring unforgiveness, bitterness. You have anger towards maybe family that have hurt you. Maybe you're a very generous person. But you refuse to forgive certain people. You hold grudges. And it's eating you up inside. So when you see a message like this, you say, Dan, I'm generous. I tithe. I give. Not a problem for me. 
Possessions don't rule your life. But for you, it will be something. And what that something is, is what Jesus wants to unlock in your spiritual life so you can follow him. So he looks at this man and he says, you, you like one thing. Go sell all you have and distribute it to the poor. So you, you own a lot, I know. So you go sell it all because you think you have found comfort and security in your wealth. And you, you need to give it away. And then, after you do this, then you, young man, will have treasure in heaven. Then, after you do that, you come back, after you've gotten rid of everything, then you come and follow me. So this is the, this is the discipleship call of what it means to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus by getting, giving up all. After he heard this, so this young man, he hears these, this statement. He became extremely sad. He just got sad. Because he was very rich. Now, don't miss what's not said here. It never said the young man even verbally responded. He responded to his emotions. Jesus reads your emotional response to him. This is important. He never said yay or nay. He didn't say, oh Jesus, what if I just give 50% of my possessions? Let's negotiate an amount. Could I save a little bit over here for mama? Could I save some for the future? He just was sad. And he wasn't just sad, he was extremely sad. What this means is I stand up here and preach the Bible. I tell you to follow Jesus. I tell you to walk this aisle and get saved. Jesus is calling you home. And you might not come up to me and say, Pastor, I disagree with everything you're saying. I don't want to do that. You just say, uh, uh, not today. I've got some things this afternoon I've got to take care of. I've got some conversations and some business at home. I've got to mend some fences before I do this. What's happening is you are basically telling yourself why you can't follow Jesus. And no one knows it. Understand, no one knows why this guy couldn't do it. He just was extremely sad. And he didn't follow Jesus. In many ways, when Christ tells us what to do, we politely th say, well, well, okay, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. But inside, we know we're not going to do what he's asking us to do. And for some of you, I want you all to know this. For some of you, I was talking about bitterness, unforgiveness, anger. Some of you need to make a phone call, and you need to tell someone you're sorry. You need to extend forgiveness to someone that has hurt you or you've hurt someone else. And it is destroying your spiritual life. And that is why your prayers are going unanswered. That's one of the scripture verses. I don't know if you heard Zach read it. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to my prayer. And you're wondering, God, why don't you hear my cry? 
why don't you work this miracle and help me with this? It's because you're holding on to sin. And Jesus knows it. Maybe no one else knows it. But this man walked away sad because Jesus knew the root problem. And in this guy's case, it wasn't the Ten Commandments. And in your case too, it might not be. You're, you are following the Ten Commandments. But there's area, other areas that are causing you extreme sadness spiritually. It might be that your children are in rebellion, or your grandchildren are out of church, or your husband isn't being faithful to you, or you have an addiction issue. Whatever it is, it's sadness, and it's preventing discipleship. So look what happens here. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus says, so apparently he's kind of left. He just walked away. He says, how hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So the question is, can a camel go through the eye of a needle? And the answer is no. Camels don't walk through needles. So Jesus is saying it's, it's impossible for you to get saved on your own. Like your money might be a passport. It is a passport. You can buy and influence anything else in this world with your money. But not, but not the kingdom, not God. Heaven, God, is not impressed with finances. He's impressed with generosity. And this man, he asked to give all. And then it says, those who heard this says, well, who then can be saved? Who can get saved then? Because we know a camel can't go through the needle, but I have a needle. Who can be saved? What a good question. Then Jesus speaks up and says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Jesus is saying, you can't can't save yourself. But it's very possible, it is possible for God to save you. And then Peter spoke up in verse 28, the leader of the disciples. He says, look, we have left what we had and followed you. Peter says, I didn't have very much anyway. I wasn't even that good of a fisherman. But I left it behind. And now, Jesus, I'm following you. Jesus, I'm yours. He left everything. So he said, verse 29, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left a house, wife, brothers or sisters, parents or children because of the kingdom of God. That means Jesus is fully aware of what you left to follow after Him. What have you left? What have you had to give up? Say, this is no longer going to be a part. This, even down to family members. Some of you might have family. You are here at church this morning, and your family is not here. They maybe even gave you a hard time. So why are you going to that church? Why do you want to hear that man? Why do you want to go and participate in what they're doing? All they want is money. And here I am preaching on money. Who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life and the age to come? Jesus promised two things. He says when you give up whatever's holding you back, including relationships, family relationships, you receive many more things in this life What he's talking about is he's giving you a joy and peace. 
a confidence, a hope that is in the Lord, and eternal life. Not only do you receive something here, you receive something in heaven too. Jesus told this story. And it's about money, but then again, it's not about money. What Jesus is telling you and I, this young man gave up everything to follow. He was asked to give up everything to follow the Lord, what was most cherished to him. In many ways for us, we're like this guy. And we give the answers, oh Lord, I've kept the commandments. I don't lie, I don't steal, I honor my mom and dad. I call them on Father's Day and Mother's Day. I'm a good son, a good daughter. I've been doing been in church since I was a young person. Christ is saying, that might be true, but your treasure is not with me. Your treasure is elsewhere. Think about your treasure. Is your treasure your time, your hobbies, what you want, your priorities, what you want to do? Christ is looking at us saying, I know what you want to do, but if you want eternal life, if you want a kingdom life, if you want to see me answer prayers in your life, you need to surrender. Give this up to follow me. Discipleship involves dying to self and giving things up. It's an other-centered life. Selfishness prevents us from being disciples. Now flip over here in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. You know, many times we don't even realize the things we have. Our air conditioner in our house is broken right now. It's true. We have fans. That means we have ceiling fans and those um, fans that you uh, turn on, what are they called? Oscillating fans. I don't even know what that word means, but we have oscillating fans all over our house. And what that means is that's blowing warm air and circulating hot air around your home. I walked in this building this morning, and I haven't felt it in a long time, a few days, because HVAC people don't work on the weekend. Um, it was the air conditioner. I have never noticed our air conditioner in our church until this morning. I walked in and go, wow, this church has AC. I haven't felt this in the past couple of days. But I share this because, do you know, a lot of times until you lose something, you don't realize you have it. And this weekend's case, our house, we, real, we, we lost our air conditioner. And, and I think that's what you tie that in even here with this story, what Jesus is about to tell us. There's things in your life that's actually, you just take for granted, but in many ways, it's either a blessing or it's going to be a curse. It can actually help your spiritual life or it's going to hurt your spiritual life. It says here in Matthew six 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Jesus is telling us our, our home isn't AC, our home isn't our retirement, our home isn't anything here on earth. There's no treasure on earth that's worth it where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, and stuff breaks. Your air conditioner will break, your car breaks, stuff happens. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. When we go to heaven, we do not have to worry about our 
our possessions or whatever we have, our joy or whatever our things, our crown of righteousness being stolen from us. There's no crime in heaven. There aren't moths in heaven. Thieves, rust, it does not occur in heaven. You don't lose what you have. For there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus just told us, he says, if you want to know what what drives a person, you just look at where their treasure is. And that's where they're at. For us, our treasure, it could be traveling. It could be your activity. It could be your job, your school, whatever you take the most pride in. Sports. And that's, Jesus says, that's where a man, that's where a woman, that's where their, their hope is. And Jesus is trying to say, if you want to treasure me, you need to make sure that your decisions line up that way. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? What this verse means, Jesus says, if you don't have light, and light he's talking about is not the light around here, and sunlight. He's talking about if you don't have God shining truth in your life, if you don't know the right direction, if you don't know the priority, if you don't know the most important thing in your life, you will be led around in darkness. We have darkness all around us here at Lexington. Folks don't know how to be saved. There are people that believe, uh, I mean, they, right now, this example of darkness is the month of June, and there's rainbow flags all over our city, all over the nation. And they use the word pride. But that's a sign of darkness, actually. It's also a sign of the rainbow, which God gave to Noah, that he reminded us that he will never again flood the earth. Dark people do not have God's light shining them. That means, in your spiritual life, if you want the treasure, you have to make sure... God, am I, have I been deceived? Do I know what's most important? What is most important to God? What is most important to God is that folks get saved. And if you're saved, then they become disciples. They're following after Jesus. Are you saved this morning? Are you following after Jesus? Are, is your life built around the Word of God? Do you know your Bible? Guys, did you make time to read your Bible this morning? This week? That is how we are guided. And Jesus is saying, if you don't have a light, you will be led into darkness. And it's very easy in your relationships, your spiritual life, you'll be led down this bitter anger filled filled life that is leading you astray spiritually. And say, Daniel, what do you mean leading me astray? It might be you think travel and activities and events and things and eating out and just being busy all the time. Busyness will kill your spiritual life. It does, I know. Look here. No one...
can serve two masters. So we're constantly in this battle. There's these two masters we're fighting against. You will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Say, so what, what do you mean? How do I serve two masters? If God started asking more and more from you, for you to give more, for you to serve more, for you to, to, to give more time to Him, more devotion, commitment to Him, many of us, we're going to respond two ways. You're going to step up and say, Lord, you are the greatest God ever. Anything you ask, I will do. And that's how Peter responded. He said, God, we've left everything. Jesus, we've left everything and we followed you. But for some of you, you walk away. When the church is asking, when Jesus is asking, when the Lord is asking, when I'm even asking for more, he say, this, this isn't for me. I need a low commitment church. I want low commitment, easy Christianity. And Jesus is saying it's not there. There is no easy, easy Christianity. An easy faith doesn't save. Jesus demands more. And you actually be, begin to despise or hate. Have you ever heard someone say they've been burned at church? They've got scars? What's happened is they were someone... Someone either did something or asked of something and they allowed that pain in their life or that demand to basically destroy them spiritually. You cannot love Jesus and not follow the Bible. You cannot love Jesus and hate church. You can't love Jesus and hate God's anointed pastors. As ministers, you can't do that. People whom God has called, people whom God has raised up, the Lord is saying, you can't serve two people. He says, you cannot, last verse we're going to see here, serve God and mammon. KJV says, God and money. The kingdom of God, for many of us, wealth, it's not a benefit, it's a barrier Wealth will keep you out of church. Wealth will prevent you from experiencing spiritual life. God wants to call us to do something. What does He want to call us to do? He wants to save us. He wants to save us because we are totally unable to do that ourselves. Tying all this up here, this morning concludes our four weeks, past four weeks we've been talking about my place. And I want to wrap it up on this. Jesus Christ wants you to be a fully committed disciple of Him. And the, the personal question that the Lord is asking you, Broadway Baptist Church, this morning, what is preventing me? What is hindering me? What attitude do I have? I'm trying to serve God and then fill in the blank. What is it? For many of us, it's broken and hurt relationships. We refuse to forgive. And God is saying, you will not experience my peace, my eternal life, my hope that I extend to God's children until you take care of that. Remember, I've shared it before. Jesus says you, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, when you have an offering to give, 
Before you come into church and place your offering in the offering plate, you first go, if you have unforgiveness and bitterness towards your brother, you first go and ask forgiveness and be reconciled with your brother or whoever you've hurt, and then you come back to church and bring your offering. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve travel and God. You cannot serve school, hobbies, work, whatever it is, and the Lord. Jesus is calling us to leave everything and follow him. Have you done that? Have you surrendered every area of your life to the Lord? Your emotions, your checkbook, your internet browsing, your TV time, your free time? Do you get irritated if someone calls you and they haven't spoken to someone in a long time and they want to chit-chat and you feel like all they're doing is wasting my time? They're eating up my time. And that phrase, my time. You're walking around life guarding my time, your time. And when we think this way, we've been fooled in thinking it's all about me. It's all about you. When God is telling us, your life is actually God's time. It's God's life. We are to be disciples of Him in every single area. This morning, what's it for you? What is preventing from you from experiencing spiritual growth? Do you want to get saved this morning? Do you want to trust the Lord as your Savior? Have you surrendered your life to Him? Have you become extremely sad when you know God wants you to do something? And maybe you're like the rich young ruler and you've walked away. For us, it might not. For you, it might not be mammon or money. But there's areas of your life that have unconfessed sin that God wants you to release to Him. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. This prayer is an opportunity for you to release what it is to the Lord, for you to give your life to the Lord, for you to, instead of walking away sad, for you to get saved. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. You pray along with me if you want to give your life to Jesus this morning. Dear Jesus, I release whatever I have. Lord, it's been holding me. It's been gripping me. Lord, I'm letting go. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a follower of you. Jesus, I'm yours. In your name I pray. Amen.